Hello and welcome to the Lake Superior Writers Podcast. I'm your host, Brooks Johnson, and with me today is Duluth Poet Laureate Gary Bolhauer. Each month we bring you a reading from a local author, followed by a talk about the craft. Local, if you aren't yourself, means northern Minnesota and Wisconsin. On today's episode, Gary will be reading a few poems and talking a bit about his process. Well, I have a few poems from my latest book, Naming Rights, and uh, here we go. First question. Tell me how. How did it begin, that first question? Some small space between instinct and act? Brief doubt, glitch in the chemistry of synapse? beyond the lizard brain. Did the soul happen then in that tiny space of wonder? Like some cosmic chrysalis, lure of hope, push of pure light toward the next threshold of longing. Did the heart open its chamber of compassion? Did the eye recognize itself in the mirror of the other's face. I'm full of questions these days. Uh, So um, here's another one uh, called Human Robotics Project. If you think uh, maybe robots can become human, This poem, by the way, is all one sentence. The reality recognition and sensory software engineers realized after a day of silence during the retreat at which the shaman required they sit in silence together for 24 hours watching their minds work and noticing the insistent conversations in the veins, muscles, cells of their bodies, that none of the sensory inputs could be preloaded, a communal insight that rippled through the field of their creative consciousness formed by their close working together on the human robotics project that each of them had longed for, the final test of their talents, they realized that none of the sensory inputs could be preloaded, that only the process for engaging with the world and connecting the sensory inputs with each other and with the joy state, the name they had agreed upon for the spectrum of positive to negative dispositions of the unit could be made part of the base operating system, but that each sensory input must happen in the full context of the experience. So, the smell of bread baking would not only signal bread in the reality recognition motherboard, but everything else that might be associated with hunger, home, butter, the way she hugged you 
When you got home from school, the small whistle of the tea kettle and the story she told over and over about her teacher giving her that old violin that she had learned to play as if it had its own voice and all she needed to do was coax it carefully out of silence. So when the unit at some time in the future would smell bread baking, all of this and more would come flooding back into the motherboard and the past reality itself would somehow expand into the present and flow into the future. So the joy state registers the possibility of the self existing. What is going on in us moment to moment? More and more these days I'm taken up with the experience of wonder. Absolute wonder. How beautiful so much of the world is and how ugly some of the things we're doing to each other in the silence. Footsteps crunch on the cold snow, heavens full of falling mercy. The big arms of the pine spread in prayer, shawled in white, the whole everyday machine muffled. If everyone could say their name in such silence, we might hear each one, might send their small swirl of hopes and prayers spiraling out like Sufi robes in the dervish dance, and we might all hear each other's hands rise up, and we would know the one world's song. All our rituals are attempts at listening. All our songs a preparation for emptiness. When our words have all fallen away because we know we are all whirling together. Wherever you are, however you do it, notice how we are all whirling together in the great round dance on this tiny rock with its fire in its soul through the grand galaxies spinning with mercy and wonder. How about one last one? Uh, and then we'll launch into some questions. And always, I wonder, which poem should I read? <laughs> uh, maybe this is um, an appropriate one to end on.
because it's the whole question of what are we doing together here on this tiny rock of a planet whirling together? What are we doing? This is called Meeting of the Higher Powers. And uh, the image here is a feminine deity. Only the higher powers were called to the meeting with its one question. How can we open their eyes? Not because of the improvised explosive devices, not because of the high walls on the borders or immigrants and refugees wandering the deserts and the hungry streets, not because of the white egret's wings oiled black and the rank rivers running with poison in the veins of the poor, not because of all the names for God or the rights and rules to keep the others out. She was standing straight as a lightning bolt, her cheekbones brushed with dawn, and in her arms a child without breath, taut skin over the ribs and swollen belly, she kissed with such tenderness the small, lifeless body. Could the human brain in its next evolution escape its protective fear, its solitary illusion? Could the hands grow large again? Might these humankind hear the common heart drum in the common precious flesh? Could we learn again the art of bread? Well, I, you know, if I, each of us writes out of our own experience, and uh, more and more I am aware of the mystery uh, that surrounds me, and um, I'm full of questions, and a lot of those questions are about origins and, and, uh, and where we go after the darkness. Uh, envelops us. Uh, I'm sort of these days uh, practicing for my own disappearance and um, wondering, you know, how each of us makes a life that um, recognizes the preciousness of each and every one of us. There's so much going on in our world, of course, that doesn't seem to even come close to that recognition. And uh, we're engaged in, you know, not only politics, but, uh, but our everyday lives where the challenge is, it seems to me, to live with uh, deeper awareness, with a greater sense of compassion, 
um, with uh, lifting up the needs and uh, uh, the inequities within within our society, and to work in in our own small way, each of us. And I think poets have a very important role in this work uh, to tell the truth about what poets are seeing. And that's what I'm trying to do. And a lot of that truth is uh, asking questions about who we are and uh, what we're doing together. Uh, naming rights um, is a, a collection of poems that span many years. Um, I think what often happens to me in terms of putting books together, at least the three books, three books of poetry that I've put out so far, I haven't started with a, you know, with a theme and with the task of uh, creating a collection of poems on a particular theme or around a, a particular question. Rather, I, uh, I, I look at uh, what I've been writing over the, over the last few years, and the theme is there without my uh, being uh, aware of it so much. And so um, what I noticed in my, uh, you know, looking back at my writing was uh, I was writing a lot about how I am named what has marked me, what has, uh, you know, sort of been etched in uh, my character uh, through the experiences I've had, through the people that have been so important in, uh, in helping me develop and claim a place in the world and with, with particular talents and skills. And, uh, and so, Naming rights is largely about that, about about, uh, about how I'm named and what has uh, marked me and uh, been etched in, in who I am. But it's also that larger question of uh, how that happens for each of us. And, um, and what does it mean for us to live fully into our name? What does it mean for us to be the fullness of what we are called to be? And uh, that's a question I ask uh, again and again in this book. And um, maybe, uh, maybe I could uh, give you one answer, uh, or one way of answering that question uh, in this poem. Um, this is a poem that comes from a, an experience that I like to do a few times a year, and that is to sit on one of those big rocks on the edge of Lake Superior, off the shore, as far into the water as I can, you know, uh, jump from rock to rock. And to do that around uh, dawn, before the sun comes up, this is called Dance at Dawn, Go out as far as you can to sit alone on a stone throne where you give up all the straight lines of your mind in the dark, quiet shiver an hour before dawn. Set your eyes on that seam 
where water and sky are stitched together in their great meeting. And when the fierce light tears the world wide open for another day, dare to say your name over the buckle and swell of waves one sweet word of imperfect love. Dare to say your name, not proud, but in full voice, unfastened from any small hopes or pains. Send it free as a smooth stone skipping on the hammered blue, its singular dance glancing gold in the new light for a bright, brief breath. That's about all each of us has when you look at the cosmic stretch of time. A bright, brief breath, and yet each of us, each of us is a precious uniqueness in the world, and each of us is called to do our own work. And, uh, and I hope maybe in some small way naming rights is a, a call to people to recognize their own influences, their own, um, you know, the, the ways in which they have been shaped by the world and also how they might shape the world themselves in this great mystery. I was going downhill real fast in uh, kindergarten. Uh, I ran away from school one day. My mother had to take me back and apologize to the teacher. Uh, and then first grade wasn't very good either. I got, this was the days, uh, so it kind of marks my age when they still gave grades to first graders. Yeah, I got D's, and the teacher wrote on my report card, my first report card in first grade, doesn't play well with others. So it was not looking good, you know. It was looking pretty bad uh, there in kindergarten and first grade. But then in second grade, I had a new teacher, and she... I don't know what she saw in me, but uh, but she thought I could start reading poems and even I might memorize them. And uh, I started memorizing poems and then reciting them to the class. And then I got to recite poems to the second grade classroom and the third and the fourth, all the way up to eighth grade. I was a little second grader, but I would go to the eighth grade classroom and recite a poem. And poetry became something that I loved and something that helped to define me, to identify me. It was a, a place and a, a way to live with uh, wonder and purpose and beauty and mystery, language. And uh, I started writing poetry, too. My first poem was published when I was in seventh grade in the Wisconsin State Historical Society magazine. 
And it was a great poem about paper mills because I lived in Kimberly, Wisconsin, and um, my dad worked in the paper mill. And there were paper mills around us in the Fox Valley area. I don't think it was a very romantic poem about paper mills, but it was something. It was a start, you know, and it, it told me that um, I should keep writing. So, thank goodness, I've, uh, I've had this kind of practice in my life to show up and to be attentive to, to the world. That's basically what it's about. Um, my next uh, book of poetry <clears throat> will probably be um, a, a book of poetry that comes out of the practice of walking or tracing the labyrinth and walking pathways through my neighborhood and uh, uh, in uh, Hartley and uh, Lake Superior or the Superior Hiking Trail. So poems that come out of the the experience of walking, poems that in some way address the path that each of us uh, takes in our life. Um, so throughout the years, this practice of poetry has been um, one of my most important ways of reflecting and uh, making, making sense, making meaning out of my experiences of my life. There is no one way for me. Uh, you know, some people have a pretty consistent kind of practice. I've, at times, journaled every day. I'm not doing that right now. There have been times when I've traced a labyrinth or walked a labyrinth uh, for months on end and written out of that experience. I'm not doing that on a very regular basis now. There are pieces of poems, there are words, there are key sentences that come to me when I'm walking or that come to me in the middle of the night and I have a you know, pen and paper on my bedstand. Uh, uh, so it happens in all sorts of ways. Uh, sometimes um, I set out to write a poem about something. I'm in that process right now. I'm trying to write a poem about my uh, youngest son and his uh, wife um, who just had a beautiful, precious uh, baby after uh, dealing with infertility for, for five years and experiencing six miscarriages. Uh, so I'm trying to write about, uh, about that experience. You know, it's their experience, but it's my experience in some way as well. So I've been trying to write this poem for, for months now. She's now five months old, but I had the chance of uh, spending uh, the last week with her, uh, you know, holding her and feeding her and all of that sort of thing. So I'm renewed in my efforts to try to write this experience of their uh, tremendous, you know, roller coaster ride with becoming pregnant and then and then uh, losing. You know, this little possibility that they 
we're so deeply looking forward to and going through that experience multiple times. And so anyway, so I, I don't have one, one way. What I'm trying to say is uh, uh, poetry occurs to me in all different kinds of ways. Um, sometimes I get a piece out of a conversation. Sometimes it's after a walk. Sometimes it's uh, uh, in the middle of the night. Uh, sometimes it's because I'm trying to work at something hard to to say it, to put it into some kind of form. Uh, but um, sometimes I'm doing that on a very regular basis, and there are other times when I get really busy in other parts of my life, and I'm doing that on a limited basis. Uh, so it isn't until the, the poem forcefully says, I want to be written, that I listen. Um, uh, so. It's, uh, it's interesting. Um, there, isn't, there isn't one way and there isn't, uh, you know, I, I often think about this in terms of uh, um, the marriages we have in our lives. There's a way in which we're married to our work. We're married to uh, some of us, uh, a spouse or a partner. Um, we're married to our own selves, to our own personal development. Um, but each of those marriages, uh, each of those commitments, like the commitment to writing for me, uh, is, is a, a conversational process. And sometimes the conversation I'm having with poetry uh, is deeper, broader, more insistent, more regular, and sometimes there are other parts of my life that demand more attention and my poetry gets less attention. So um, that's, what, that's what it looks like for me. I, I wish there were a clearer answer uh, in my own life, but there isn't. So how have you enjoyed uh, being Duluth Poet Laureate so far? Hmm. What does that feel like? Well, um, it's a wonderful honor, um, and um, I'm you know, hoping in some way to bring poetry more broadly into our community. Well, now, one of the ways that I'm trying to do that is uh, this little project that I have called Local Free Poetry. So I have about uh, now 10 little plastic holders with poems from local poets at places like um, Amity Coffee and uh, Perk Place, and so so coffee places, bookstores, um, and and uh, you know it says free local poetry. Please take one, uh, and I'm hoping that you know some people who sit down for a cup of coffee or go to a restaurant, might, might see their little free local poetry holder and pick out a poem and maybe read it to themselves and um, be inspired in some way or, or have a question lodge in their heart uh, or an image that might uh, be a welcome partner uh, as they go through the day. So uh, my hope is maybe to have um, in the next couple of months uh, maybe 
20 or 25 or 30 of those uh, around our community. Um, and I'm hoping that there might be these little, uh, you know, the Poet Laureate usually plans readings, and I'm doing that. Um, but I'm hoping there's also going to be like maybe uh, a thousand micro-readings happening in our community where the individual picks up a poem who might not have, you know, might not have any books of poetry at home, or, but, but might have uh, the chance to just uh, pick out a free local poem and read it. Try to carve out a little bit of time on a fairly regular basis. That might not, you know, that, that, maybe that's daily if you could really do that. Uh, but maybe it's uh, maybe it's once a week, maybe it's once a month. But try to uh, set aside a, 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 a you know a little sanctuary space, uh, a little special space in your life, where um, all you have to do is uh, write and try to put some words on paper that make a little music that reflect on your own experience. And I think it's a good idea to, um, uh, to send poems out to journals and magazines. Uh, so there's, you know, uh, there's lots of uh, opportunities for poets. Um, you'll get lots of rejections. And uh, that's okay. Just be ready for that, you know, and, and, and then keep, uh, keep sending it out. Um, yeah, I don't. I probably get uh, fifteen rejections for every acceptance. So, um, you know, don't don't be um, don't be uh, put off by the by the rejections. Uh, there's a lot of poets uh, sending things out, and so um, you just have to keep at it and be persistent. But more important is, is you know, to, to take the time. Um, and if you can find one or two people or three people to sit down with on a regular basis to read some of those poems to each other, that's also a tremendous gift uh, to really be open to how another person hears your poem and uh, what they might what they might say in terms of continuing to push your own writing. It's, it's really wonderful to have a community of writers around you, even if that's, again, you know, once a month or once every couple of months, or maybe it's a, a writing workshop you take for a week during the summer. But find those, uh, look for those opportunities and, and take them, yeah. Well, right now I'm reading Devotion, which is a collection by Mary Oliver. Um, I'm going over... Mary Oliver poems. Um, I also, uh, a couple of times a, a month, I teach a poetry class at the jail, at the St. Louis County Jail. And uh, last class, I just brought, uh, I think, 15 Mary Oliver books that I have on my shelf. And, uh, and they each took a Mary Oliver book and found a poem that they, that they liked and, and wrote a poem from one of the lines in that poem. So I've been, I've been uh, 
sort of re-exploring and reconnecting with Mary Oliver, given her recent uh, death. Um, and that's been wonderful. Um, you know, it's amazing how a poet like her, her whole life, um, she walked out into the natural world day after day after a day and, uh, and simply paid attention. As she says in The Summer Day, I don't know what prayer is, but I know how to pay attention, how to kneel down in the grass, how to fall down in the grass. And uh, wow, um, she's a real inspiration for me to just, uh, you know, uh, walk out the door and notice the beauty and the wonder and the mystery that surrounds us. I'm also reading um, Rattle, uh, the Ohio Review. Um, what did I just got a new one? Uh, interim. Um, so you might also look at, uh, at, at the journals that are available. There are so many wonderful poetry journals um, and not just poetry, but short stories, and, and uh, you know, um, subscribe to one or two of those, and it'll uh, show up on your doorstep, and you get to look at what contemporary poets are writing, and and not 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 always the ones that get picked up by, you know, by by uh, publishers who are publishing books, but uh, people who might be new to the craft and. Um, that's that's wonderful. Uh, I'm also um, reading Tracy Smith and uh, Danez Smith, um, two wonderful, wonderful contemporary poets. Tracy Smith, of course, is our present poet laureate for the United States. Thank you so much, uh, Brooks, for doing this. It's uh, an important thing. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Lake Superior Writers Podcast, the audio arm of a literary nonprofit that supports the artistic development of writers and fosters a vibrant literary arts community in northeastern Minnesota and northern Wisconsin. To become a member, donate, or learn more about our mission and upcoming events, visit lakesuperiorwriters.org and find us on Facebook. Reminder that our annual contest is now open to submissions through April 1st. Please find out more online and send us your best poetry, short fiction, and creative nonfiction. Until next time, keep reading, keep writing.